This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog, and with me tonight, or today, depends on when you're listening to it, are four special guests. And the first one is Ted Loring. How are you doing? Hello there. I'm Ted Loring from WildmanTed.com. Trubius. You're like a Muppet. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to be Marvin the Martian. Close enough. And then we have Brian Hall. How you doing? Just help me now. (laughs) (laughs) What am I done? Where am I? What's going on? And the man who spends $400 on Borderlands... Jonathan Clausen. You, ha- you had to do that, didn't you? No, you I didn't. Say- yeah. no, but okay. I did. All right. Greetings and hallucinations, Mr. Oliver. Thank you for inviting me to this wonderful podcast. And I would like to make note of this is a special occasion because this is the first time Brian Hall, community manager extraordinaire for TGU, and I are on the same podcast. The only person on the podcast circuit who I have not appeared with is my arch nemesis. Michael, I have three names after my first name. Jones. And the one who, <laughs> Wait, yes. Like you're cheating on me? You have another Michael, arch nemesis. Michael Justin yes. David you Jones. Michael Justin David, David whatever his name is. David, David Jones. It's got don't even names. remember it's his names. name. He's no, growing a beard currently. Video game He's harlot. growing a beard. But he, he, I, he calls, you know, he and I have this little back and forth thing about heresy. How I spot heresy and whatnot. So he and I have not yet. <laughs> Last time we were scheduled to be on a podcast, something about a bus and a bike came in, yeah, so he couldn't be on. So then he was growing a beard, and he's been busy yeah, and, doing that. Yeah, I, I said that. I said this off air. That's the excuse women give when they don't want to go on a date. <laughs> oh, I have to stay in and wash my hair. They grew uh-huh. a beard. Men That's say, what "Tell you when they want to uh, go on a date." Yeah, like, I'm growing my beard. beard. I'm not available right now. Oh yeah, and uh, Elijah uh, Beam is also on the podcast, as you can tell. Yeah, by that him guy, that, that 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 youngin. Okay, so answer me this. On, since you said his last name on here, I'm going to ask this. Why are you Elijah Placeholder? Because there are certain people that I would like to not find me on Facebook and Skype and a couple other places. But now that you all keep saying Placeholder, if certain said people ever actually listen to this, they'll know where I am. So thanks for that. Well, his last name is Beam, which is B-E-A. H-M. Zach. And he lives in Pennsylvania. I'm just hoping that you guys know you. that. Maybe they have love in a closet like Harry Potter, too. I can see some ties back there behind him. Yeah. Yeah. They have love in a baloney in Pennsylvania, don't they? We will provide a more precise location later. I'm just wondering if you have a letter to Hogwarts somewhere out there, Elijah, <laughs> and they're waiting for you, and you could have better treatment and food and elves to take care of you, and things would be better. You have a Hedwig with you? You could have an owl. And you I don't know. That, that hair on top of his head slicked suck. back kind of looks that like a Hedwig. suck, actually, because I have allergies, <laughs> so having an owl would suck. It feels so wrong to say that because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. That would so actually suck. <laughs> I think we lost Ted. Wow, we got that far in and we've already lost it. I told you, Ted. Last Don't voice here, ladies and gentlemen, is our own Check, check the mail, Elijah. That's oh, all okay. I'm saying, okay? Oh, look, Ted's here. This is a new record, guys. <laughs> we made Ted cry with laughter in the first like five minutes. <laughs> uh, is it? I, think, I think he's done. So he's gone. We might as well keep going. Hi, Ted. Welcome to the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, because oh, having an owl would suck. <laughs> 
What All is right. going on? Al- <laughs> allergies. Okay. Oh. Uh, what, about, what are we talking about, Steve? Before we need to get this what stuff, is that topic? What are we talking about <laughs> um, the people that are left listening to this at this uh, point. Okay, beat them out quick. That's all I say. Okay, on the subject <laughs> of <laughs> on the subject of Harry Potter, I guess we're just going to talk about magic. Speak not of this word; it is heresy. Okay, so uh, the Bible doesn't like magic very much. Does what it? Is the, what does the Bible say on magic? Well, uh, it doesn't like divination or sacrificing children to Molech mm-hmm. <laughs> or Don't similar such rituals. Yeah, well, I, th- I, I think it's I think it's important to point out that there's you know we're I, I think uh, Sky Jatani on the Phil Fisher podcast said it best. You know, we're trying to retroactively take a modern word magic and apply it to something that was thought of as very different back in the ancient world. Yeah, like when and we think of magic, awesome is very different now. It had real exactly. efficacy, is what you're saying. Right. So, I mean, like today you say magic, one of two things pop into your head. Most likely, you, you, you know, things like uh, Harry Potter or, or whatnot pop into your head. You also, or Vegas and David Copperfield sawing some poor woman in half or him falling over Niagara Falls and being Chris okay. Angel Mind Freak. Wow. Okay. Hey there, there Solid Snake. I didn't know that you were a fan <laughs> of Chris Angel Mind Freak. Uh, Penn and so- Teller. <laughs> what? Okay. What? The point of magic is, is in the Bible, you know, it's shown up a couple of different times. Uh, we most, I think one of the better known stories is in, I think it was Acts. Maybe it wasn't. Um, Simon, Simon the Sorcerer? Simon, Simon the Sorcerer, Simon yeah. the Magician. He wanted to have the, the power that the apostles had, specifically Paul. And Paul basically freaked out on him and said, no, this is not, this is not, this is not something you buy. And one of the reasons, you know, you go back to the Old Testament, you go back to the old um, Mosaic Law, a lot of the cultures around the ancient nation of Israel, they would do things like divination. They would be counselors to the, to the rulers. You, had, you saw Pharaoh with these in Exodus. And one of the things they did is, is in that world, they would take, uh, you know, they, they'd take the spleens, the intestines, and they would do um, – the, my brain just farted. They would do divination. Expiki, which is where they take the entrails of lambs and then they would point at them to see what the future was. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. It looks messy. That is exactly what they would do. And yeah, you know, messy. When, when it is messy. Sausage. Oh. <laughs> when you boil it down, what, what you're looking at then is, is this is basically a system of control. This is a system of, of based on fear because what you're doing is, is you're trying to control the deity you're trying to control God, and that's one of the reasons God forbid the ancient Hebrews from doing that, ancient Israelites, whatever you want to call them, from doing this. Because even if you're trying to engage the good spirits, you're trying to engage God, you're still doing it out of a, at, at a core level. You're still trying to do this from a side of fear. You're trying to control. Like, you haven't completely and utterly surrendered yourself to God, and that was the reason behind that forbidden. Translate that over to video games, since this is theology gaming university yeah there's there's different way i think there's two ways we see magic in video games and i would i would say the first thing is is it's purely a mechanical use almost just a game mechanic you see a fire monster use ice yeah. you see thunder monster thunder monster cast i don't know different games do different things cost cast water cast earth depends on the game it's all systems of checks and balances it it, it boils down essentially to a game mechanic and then you have it as a, a narrative uh, Dragon Age is probably one of the more well-known examples of magic being wo- woven into the narrative. Because uh, I haven't played Inquisition yet, but I played one and two. Uh, has anyone here played Inquisition? 
Yeah. I actually just started on the PS4. I've probably put maybe five hours into it. I've watched well, some YouTube videos. It, it's a terrible <laughs> game. We can talk about that if you want. <laughs> well, how, how many – have you played one or two? Uh, I played a little bit of one and thought it was completely boring, and then I played two and I enjoyed it. Brian, but, finally, we can agree okay, on something. So I'm not rambling on here then, Brian. Tell, tell me, how does magic fit into the world of, of, of Dragon Age then? It's magical, dude. That's all I can say. Oh I really don't, I really don't know. Delicious. I mean, there's, there's magic. I cast things. That, I view magic in a game as a very mechanical thing. And so I don't see it really as anything else. I'm just casting stuff and explosions are going off and it looks really mm-hmm. cool. And I'm like, I'm awesome. And that's all that matters. That's so, the thing. A lot of it's games, like I said, it's very mechanical. There's not any real religious significance. And even in something like Dragon Age, it's more akin to the X-Men. That's the one thing that kind of actually bugged me about um, Dragon Age 2 was I love the idea of talking about you know liberal versus conservatism in a religious context. That's, that's something that you don't see a lot in games. But a lot, a lot of Dragon Age 2 was pretty much just X-Men. It really was just X-Men. They just were saying magic instead of mutants. I would have liked the game a whole lot better if I had thought of it that way. Like, yes, I'm Cyclops. Go! Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Good, good framing. <laughs> Where were you when I was playing? <laughs> uh, probably playing it myself. I only played it just a little while ago. But, you know, I'm looking at my game my game shelf here, and I'm just trying to look, look at the different games where magic was, was woven into the narrative. And I think the one that comes to mind most out of all of them was probably in... Zach's probably going to hate me for this, is Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy Thirteen. Yeah, well, are the six, two that really essential to the whole entire story. Yeah, the whole thing is, well, it's, that one's kind of more of a, a social thing. Can the espers really live with the humans and that kind of thing? I think with Thirteen, it's more prominent to a control method because, oh gosh, they had the stupid Lassie, Falsy, Seath, and all those crazy names with that it. That makes sense. Be careful! You're actually making me curious about playing. No, it didn't. I had to read the Wikipedia article to even try to figure out the game. <laughs> it makes sense in a way because because oh. when you, okay, because in thirteen the, the basic premise is is you have this world cocoon that's overseen by these giant essentially demigods the called the sea, yeah. right? They, they're kind of mechanical deities. The Cylons. Some of them are. <laughs> some of them are do nothing more than open a door. Others maintain the environment. There's a god of opening specific door. Yeah, right. I'm the door god. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Exactly. And so is the idea Percy is... Percy Jackson? Is... Oh, God. This is starting to sound like <laughs> Percy Jackson. Oh, wait, wait. I think it's... There's a guy called the Maker. He made the right. Falsy. And mm-hmm. then the Falsy creates Lassie, who organized the world's oh gosh, various it really is resources. Galactica, isn't it? Like, exactly. um... Like, and then I don't know, pollution and it, sewers it, it, it's and whatever. Galactica. Right, and then you have the humans that the Maker also made. And yeah. then the, the, the Falsy want to summon the Maker back. And that's that storyline. Right. And that story, it's very similar in actually in a lot of ways. That, you know, in the Cylons of Battlestar Galactica, they wanted to get in touch with their creator. They felt that God, not the God of the 13 right. colonies, the different gods there, they felt the God, they were jealous of humanity. In that series, they wanted the love. Sorry, major spoilers for Battlestar Galactica, but it's all oh. wrapped up. If you see the movie, yeah, the, it, the it's directed- a series from like twenty four, two thousand four. Yeah, two thousand and four. So really, if you were still worried about spoilers for that, you need to just <laughs> grab the DVDs. I'll just put spoilers just- on it. <laughs> but I think in both thirteen and in Battlestar, you see some interesting parallels in the fact that you, you see control being wielded over people through magic. 
and whether that magic takes place. You know, it's not said as magic, but it's through a mystical power tapping into the supernatural. Ted, you've been you are quiet. making me want to play Final Fantasy thirteen. How on earth are you doing this? <laughs> what black <laughs> magic are you using? There's nothing wrong with Final Fantasy thirteen. It's, it's actually not a. 13's not a bad game. It really isn't. It's just a different style of combat. It's but macro instead of... Awful. But Lightning Returns is awful. Oh, dude, Lightning Returns is... Dude, it's horrible. It's awful. Yeah, I played the demo. I still enjoyed the gameplay. You, you keep making me think I should play it, and I'm going to keep saying it until I... You can I just download the demo, dude. I already own the well, game. I just haven't played it yet. Oh, freaking I'll magic. take it. I'll borrow it. No, I'll give it back. It's going to sit on my shelf. And nothing Brian and Ted, you guys have been quiet. Do you have Ted, anything ma- to weigh magic, on Magic, man, where, where are you with this? Growing Am I up, the magic I mean, man? Yeah, I mean, I like, like your parents. Young Growing up, how, how did your parents uh, deal with magic? How did my parents deal with magic? As far as you growing up, do you ever remember that being an issue? Not really for me. No, I uh, I was what I was thinking about during all this time was looking up a passage in First Samuel chapter twenty-eight. Oh, in the which, Bible. Cool. Yeah, in the Bible. <laughs> Excuse me, yes. And it's the very interesting story in which King Saul at that time is in a bit of a crisis because Samuel, the prophet who he's relied on for so long, has died. So he he's surrounded by the Philistines and he's in panic mode. So it says here that God wasn't communicating him uh, with him through – oh, where'd it go? Sorry about that. Oh, this is spellbinding podcasting right here. Well, I can actually remember <laughs> right, the rest. Let me take a day. Verse 6, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or the prophets. Urim and, or Thurim, which are the yeah. dice roll kind of things. Yeah, so. sort of a, you know, a bit of a divination system that's a bit of a mysterious thing even back then in the in the very early times. And uh, it's always been a bit of a mystery to me, almost a bit – Magical. It's, it's kind of similar to lots. Yeah. Whatever the Bible refers to lots. So like, we don't know what they actually look like. We have kind of ideas of what they were, but basically it was like, well, we're going to roll this dice and then God or the gods are going to figure out what exactly I should do when I ask the question. Yeah, there's something from the breastplate, too, the uh, thing that the high priest wore. Yeah. Ephod. That in some way. Oh, Ephod. Yeah. Yeah. Ephod. Yeah, I'm just bringing that particular passage up because sometimes even Scripture itself is not crystal clear because that almost sounds a little bit magical. But interestingly enough, what does he do since he's not getting any word from God from Samuel since he's dead? Yeah, he goes to the witch of Endor, who I'm assuming was very small and covered with fur and adorable. (laughs) Yum, yum. (laughs) Yum, yum. Yum, yum. Now I, now I know where Lucas got that idea, but uh, it's interesting to me because also his going to this witch to get guidance is pretty much the beginning of the end for him, and he dies probably about three or four chapters later. Oh, you're leaving out battle. one thing, though. He actually what? does talk to Samuel, but Samuel basically is very much like, dude, you are boned. Yeah, don't Why do that. Why do you do this? <laughs> He's like, yeah, he do does. That. And that's always interesting, too, because in Hebrews it says, you know, it's appointed a man a time once to die and after that to judgment. But then you've got this interesting story here of supposedly Samuel coming from back from the dead to talk to Saul. Huh. You can think Another, of that in a couple different ways, actually. 
mm-hmm. if you want my personal opinion on this. Well, yeah, passage. this is all about I'm just bringing up, you know, things that seem kind of magical in the Bible. So on one end, I could basically see it as kind of the culmination of Saul being like very bad at his job, which is basically following God. And so he has to go to a spirit medium to get advice or to bring Saul uh, Samuel back, right? So so then he goes there and then he comes up and he's like, dude, don't do that. Don't do that, right? <laughs> it's basically <laughs> the content of the what happens. And, yeah. But it's showing like how low in a narrative sense – the king has gone from actually obeying God. Yeah, he didn't even – it's like he never even thought of actually praying or making a sacrifice or you know anything like that according to what all the scripture says the way that you know God wanted it to happen. I think that's the interesting thing that Jonathan brought up earlier is magic is always trying to get the spirit world to work on your terms. Right. I want you to do what I want you to do. And yep. when I've been recently reading uh, Exodus – and Leviticus and Numbers lately, it's very much God saying, these are my terms. This is how I want you to be if you're my people. Yeah. And it's it's a real different standard, I think, as far as relationship-wise. It's the people of Israel conforming to who God wants them to be rather than trying to call up a spirit to do or be the way that I want it, the spirit to be. Yeah, right, and just like any relationship, you you have boundaries, and with with and those boundaries are you know like when you think of for for those of us in this chat that might be married, there are boundaries within marriage, and for those of us who have just good guys that we're that we're friends with, there's boundaries within that things we don't discuss, things we don't do, things like that. It's not because we don't want to do it; it's it's because out of love and an intimacy within those relationships, we learn about what makes a relationship grow. If you look at the rules of the Old Testament, if you view them as great, evil, horrible things, this is a vindictive God and a jealous God, well, it's, it's not because of that. It's because he's loving and this is the boundaries for that relationship. And when you try to control someone in any relationship, it never ends well because you are, you are, you are essentially imposing your own will on that person. You're acting out of fear. And that's that, that leads to all kinds of issues. And trying to treat God like that never works out well. So when you have any of the commandments, any of the laws that God had, whether they be spiritual, social, or, or whatever, they are meant as a way to show that perfect love to God and to live in community with him rather than saying, oh, I am God. You cannot do this. Wah. That's not That's not it. That's how God sounds to me sometimes when I – Imagine his voice. Yeah. A little That's more bass. Awesome. <laughs> Wizard of Id. Oh, gosh. It could kind of be related to the idea of naming, which was also seen as kind of a power over something in the ancient world, where you right. know something's name and thereby control it. Which is why mm-hmm. I would guess the Exodus part, where he basically says, I am, is his name, is that he doesn't have a name because he's self-existent. God, right? Right. <laughs> right. I, I think explained myself, yo. <laughs> I am, that, yo. <laughs> that was so dumb. I can't believe I even said all that. It's you're, it's okay. You're as hip as the 1990s, Ted. Let me Plus, tell you a little little story that happened to me when I was in my late 20s. I met this girl, right? And I was a single man at the time. And she said she was a Christian, and, and I was a Christian. And uh, we were friends 
I think we were interested in each other, but then she told me about one night uh, she was at a party or something like that, and they had a psychic. That's the word, psychic. I was about to say psycho, but it's – and she started telling me about – Is there a difference? <laughs> uh, vaguely? <laughs> Probably not. I guess there might be a difference between ick and o, but uh, she was you know, going on about that the psychic had told her that you know, she was going to find the love of her life in the next year or so and, and all of these things. And I just remember that really turned me off because that's not how you find out you know, what your love life is going to be like or who, right. who your love of your life yeah. is going to be. It's you know, just trusting the Lord for that. And it happens – in his time, in his own way. And it's a shame because she's a real cute girl, but it's all worked out. <laughs> well, like I said, it, it goes back to wanting to have a sense of control, a sense of fear. Yeah. Like until, until, you, until you ultimately, in your heart and in your soul, you understand and you surrender that God is in control, that he loves you no matter what. Until you have that knowledge, as long as some part of you inside still has that fear, you're going to want to have a sense of control over it. And that's where we have the problem of the first Adam. They wanted that control. And that's why it took Jesus, the second Adam, as Paul calls him, to show us that when we surrender that fear, when we surrender and ultimately give God the the trust, like he did in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said, not my will, but your will be done, that's when we can let go of that fear. And that is when we can have an ultimate trust and peace and let go of that fear. So here's something interesting. I know people who just go to psychics but won't become Christians. And I imagine that the reason why is precisely why you stated they want to have control over their fate. Now, there's also another element to it, is that when they go, right, Mm -hmm. the psychic usually uses, like, those means by which to imply things and put just enough vague information in their head to make everything that they say a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know how it is, right? Yeah. You're giving, they give you, you give them just enough information that they can construct a narrative. Yeah. And then you end up fulfilling it not mm-hmm. yeah, because you think this is exactly your fate. So you I think C.S. Lewis said it once too that that kind of viewpoint is in some people in people's mind the perfect viewpoint because they get all the thrills of spirituality without any of the boundaries that uh, that following God can entail. Yeah, you know, there's it's no like, sense of trust. You're yeah. figuring out things for yourself, quote unquote. <laughs> I don't think a lot of them even speak to uh, spiritual powers or anything. I would imagine the vast majority of them are hacks. Uh, yeah, I, th- I don't think that's a, an unfair assumption. Um, I know nothing about it, so I can't comment with any authority. But, I mean, at, at the end of the day, even if you are trying to – I mean, as Christians, we believe – assuming everyone in this chat is a Christian – we do believe in the supernatural. I mean, just the very fact that Jesus existed as both God and man is an event that is outside of nature – a.k.a. supernatural. Right. God is or outside magic. of nature. Or magic. Or magic. Very <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, an interpretation <laughs> of, this, of the supernatural is, is magical. You know, God appearing before the Israelites as a giant pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. That sounds pretty magical, too. You know so. what else is supernatural, Brian? You know what tastes supernatural? Lemonade from Chick-fil-A. And if you freaking drink that one more time, I'm going to drive to wherever you are, and I'm going to steal that cup from you. He's pretty close. He's in Texas. You should go. Is it, is it diet? Regular. What? No, it's it's that Chick Fil A fresh squeezed lemonade. Diet? Why would you Why would you put that nasty cancer causing? Why would you do that, Ted? 
Yeah. I'm sorry. Ooh, I was Ed. asking I was asking about it for, for somebody else, not for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, we believe you. Wait, like so what is So going back to the Chick-fil-A? the topic of something? control. Yeah, yeah go we, back we're talking talking about control. Um mm-hmm. I've been reading a book on prayer lately and it's been talking about how we can be highly cynical on our prayers uh to the point where we we don't believe what we're praying. You know, we're praying it, but we ultimately we don't pray believing that God's going to do it. So it's almost like a routine. It's yeah. It's it's yeah. Well, more, I think more of a routine without expectation. Without it, expectation, and and I've realized I had something come up in my life recently where I just I wasn't trusting God enough to. Uh, he'd already you know he'd already told me basically what I needed to do. Everything was cool. You know he's blessed me, and yet I didn't accept that blessing, and I just kind of hoarded it, and I didn't want to share it or just kind of give it up to be vague, and right. You know, I wanted to control it. And ultimately, I mean, I think control is a huge deal with us. And it's yeah. kind of funny that it goes all the way down to magic. I mean, you know, just interesting. I had never heard of cynical prayers before. It was interesting. I remember Billy Graham was – I don't remember who he – it, was, it wasn't Dan Rather. I forget who it was. It was. He was being interviewed by someone on the big news networks. This is obviously back in the days when network television was still the place to get your news. I remember there was an assistant who asked him – well, we have a room set aside for Mr. Graham before he can before he goes on, so we can pray. And the assistant said, "You know, th- that's fine. Thank you. I appreciate that, but that won't be needed." And you know, the assistant, who I don't think was a Christian, was kind of befuddled by that. Well, won't he need time to pray? And the assistant said, "And this is documented. You can read this. I think it was in one of Graham's books." He said, "Well, Mr. Graham's been praying since he woke up this morning. He'll be praying on the way over, and he'll likely be praying all the way through the interview, mm-hmm. because you know, Paul tells us to pray without ceasing." And obviously that doesn't mean to, you know, we don't always have to be sitting here at our, at our, our dinner tables going, thank you, God, for this food. Thank you for this day and all this stuff. You know, I mean, seriously, when you think about it, of all the crap that goes on in our daily lives, when we, when we worry about things like, uh, you know, bills, where are we going to get our next Iron Man mask so we can post it on Facebook and hide our true identities, all these things that or, – or, or how am I going to deal with these 17 viewers that want me to play this horrible game that I'm sick of? When we think of all these things – Phantom Menace, indeed. When we, when we have all of these oh. issues, <laughs> when you think about this, God Elijah. knows this. He doesn't want us to pray some kind of rote prayer or some, you know, I'm not saying there's not value in liturgical prayer or anything like that. I'm saying that when we, when to pray without ceasing means we are constantly communicating with God and not always verbally. So to be able to have that constant communion, whether it's internal, whether it's external, however we choose to do that. It is to pray without ceasing, and that is to continually and always be in communication with God. I'm done rambling. You guys can go on now. <laughs> you need to shut me up sometimes because I will talk and talk and talk and talk. Yo, you no. Elijah talks. Really? And talks, so it's just one or the other. <laughs> okay. As long, as, 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 you know, either way, I'll take it either way. That we're good. So, so how do you guys deal with magic in video games as a Christian? It doesn't bug is, me. Is there ever a point where it goes too far? The only game I think I've heard – where it's really, really kind of rubbed me the wrong way was... Lucius? No, it wasn't Lucius. It was probably, and this is going to be, this is me being an absolute and total hypocrite, uh, it's probably one of my favorite games of all time. It's Silent Hill. Because there is, because that game has a lot of, some people would call it satanic. Uh, there are divin, a lot of strong divin, the, the whole, there's a lot of strong divination things in it. The basic premise of the game, sorry, to, to use Elijah's logic, this game has been out for almost 30 years. You, you should, spoil, we're past the statute of limitations on spoilers. 
the, the purpose of the game is you play Harry Mason, who's caught up where this cult is trying to summon their god through his daughter. And the whole town turns into this twisted demonic thing, and it scares the crap out of me to this day. I'm 33, and I still have to play the game with the light on. Fine. I know. It's so, and it looks like crap, too. That's the funny thing. Oh, it's, my gosh. Yeah, that's just it. It, it doesn't. And the voice acting is ne- sometimes near as Resident Evil levels. Are there oh, any dude. remasters of that in the works? The original uh, one, no. Play, the original no. one, no. Two and three. HD remake. The voice overs for uh, Silent Hill what? 2 and 3 are just terrible. Okay, they, well, they, they okay, well 2 and 3, <laughs> if you buy the HD remasters, this is inside baseball talk real quick. 2 and 3, if you have to get it, get it on the PS3. The reason I say that is this, is because the PS3 version got patched to fix the fog issue where the 360 Oh, they not. finally patched that. Oh, they patched it about yeah, they yeah. patched it about a month after it came out, but the Xbox 360 version never got the patch. Just Konami like they said, patched uh, Zone of the Enders too, and they actually made it good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Konami's also with really Silent Hill, right? With Silent Hill two on the HD remastered edition, Guy Chi, the guy who did the voice for um, not Harry Mason, uh, James Sunderland, the main character from two, he got the rest of the crew to get together and sign off on them using it. So you can play si- nice. So you can play Silent Hill two HD with the original voice actors. Okay. On, on the PS3 and the 360 version. Uh, the, the Silent Hill th- 3 edition? HD Are you edition? playing that music? I can't tell if that's dead. It's me. Dead. The theme of Laura. I love theme it. of Laura from Silent Hill 2. It's cool. Oh. I, I heard it at Video Games Live, oh. and it was yes, the best song there. It is a good But anyway, the, the point also, is, is, on 3, you can. it has the new voice actors. It does not have the original cast. Oh. Dead. I've never played also, any. Be sure Silent to look Hill. at the Silent Hill Shared Memory soundtrack. That one, Akira Mocha and Mary Elizabeth McGlynn just hit out of the park. Normally, a Silent Hill game only gets like one song with vocals. Silent Hill Shared Memory's got three, and mm-hmm. they are all bloody solid. And I would just re- play that on the Wii. Anybody who has a Wii or Wii U should just play Silent Hill Shared Memories at this point. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Such an- I've never played a Silent Hill game, but I, I've always been sort of intrigued by them. It's but one of the easiest think... ones to get into. There's no any real concern about combat other than evading enemies. It's a lot more like the more recent running games, but there's at least a bit more depth to it. You can grab flares and make enemies back off for a bit. Yeah. It's I very puzzle-focused. I would jump into two. If that's going to be your first experience, I would recommend two being your first one. But other games that kind of delve into that, I would say um, mm-hmm. Persona is an interesting title. With that, yeah, because that's that's an interesting thing. Where in Persona Three, you play a bunch of kids who shoot themselves in their heads to oh, to, yeah. to summon their personas, which is I, a little interesting thing. I can't uh, bring myself to play it. It's just, be- it's just because of it. A lot of occult. It there, a lot of the Persona series is all about. There's a lot of occult. Like I mean, there's this weird one, Persona Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survivor Two, some crazy Japanese name versus King Abaddon. I'm like. Whoa. Oh, um, what do you call it? The of oh, the devil is it the devil summoner? Yeah, it's series. the one that takes place in the 1930s. Yes, Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those ones are good. That Super sounds good. awesome. Mechanically, they're solid. They're yeah. great games, Super but fun. they're they're uh, yeah. I mean, it just depends. You have a personal level on what you're going to have to deal with that, and you could get it. You can make an argument for games like um, I think a lot of people get like angry at Atlas, especially I would imagine like Christians. The whole like Shin Megami Tensei series might be kind of an issue because mm-hmm. it, it freely uses imagery, iconography, and symbolism of various religions and treats them all as the same. Mm-hmm. Like none of the games so far in the West that have been released 
have had like the Yahweh fight, but some yeah. of the ones that have stayed in Japan do, and that's mm-hmm. why they were never brought over here <laughs> for obvious yeah. reasons. And if they well, do I mean, get even, over here, they're cut. I mean, even the original Final Fantasy, uh, when it was brought over from for the Nintendo, they cut out the uh, there were crosses on the healing rooms yeah. on the on the healing buildings. They originally had the Judeo Christian cross on. Oh yeah, in Dragon Quest, they got rid of the church symbol. Mm-hmm. So. Still, still there though in Dragon Quest when I played it. Well, that was a different company. Enix made that. Okay. Oh, okay. the newer but, ones, yeah. Yeah, the, the, newer the cross ones, yeah. is still there. I mean, you're in a church too, except for uh, their god is a female. Oh, which one? Which yes. one? Uh, I've only played four. Yeah, it would be in the DS version? Yeah, in the DS version, yeah. the remake. The newer Excellent. ones, they put them back in. But yeah, when Nintendo was publishing them, they would never... They got rid of all the religious symbolism they could Even from Zelda, they removed the religious symbolism, like on the shield. Yeah, that too. that too. Yeah, Zelda has magic, for sure. Well, it's, Again, Zelda's always been very awkward, because they started out with the Christian symbolism, but then they also had the three goddesses. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that was Ocarina. <laughs> right. Right. Ocarina, so it didn't happen? Well, you know, they retcon, and then you just make new stuff up. I mean, that happens with our old video games well, nowadays. That's how I treat it. It never happened. Yeah, you know, like Skyward Sword. I wish that never happened, but it did. Terrible. <laughs> I think I'm kind of a little more on the lines of, like, Brian. I think some things affect my sensibilities, and so I won't play them. Maybe more than others. Even if something is mechanically sound, I can't always cross that line you know, it's and, interesting that we're discussing all this because you guys know how I feel about Bayonetta and how it sets off my OCD because of what it does yet a lot of the games you're listing never bugged me like I actually was just recently trying to get myself back into Persona 3 because it's like I want to play that and I do like that they actually addressed the whole head sort of shooting thing the invoker that you put into at your head to start off one of the right. characters outright points out he's like you know that's kind of screwed up why are we it doing is this kind of screwed up. Yeah, Bayonetta <laughs> is uh, very uh, sacrilegious, if you wanted to put it that way. Although, I don't so, see how much of a problem with it. So, you know, you know, as we sit here and we're discussing all these different topics about it, and we're obviously discussing it at a much higher level, I do, I, I do have a question. So, let's say we have a new gamer, someone who's fairly new to the faith, and they're asking these kinds of interesting questions, or they've been playing these games. So, how do we as people, you know, I'm, I'm a layman. I consider myself a, a decently read layman in the church, but I mean, I have no biblical but, but college. I'm actually sitting. Right oh, now. oh, okay. Uh, I'm not. sitting. I can stand if you I'm want me to. I'm going to stand right now. Oh, gosh. Oh. Go ahead. But the point is, so let's say, I mean, we, I mean, this is Theology Gaming University, so obviously our discussions are going to be a little bit more deeper than the average, you know, Joe who's new to the faith. Here, so, here. But, Grab but, a shovel. But when we have a newcomer to the faith, what is what is the role of us, who those of us who are, for lack of a better term, more mature in the faith, who have been in it a long time, who know how to answer a lot of these questions? Um, do how how do we as believers? What is the best way to engage those people? When do we break out the theology? Is a question. That's a, that's a question that's been on my mind for for reasons we don't need to go into for the last week or two. Uh, Nice try, Brian. I saw that smile. <laughs> but how, how do you how do you have that kind of conversation? Where do you how on in a digital space like the five of us? We're in different parts of the country, yeah. and we're all talking on on our on our Skype. How do we have those discussions uh, online? I actually recently had this come up in my actual life on another podcast I recently joined. Uh, one of the members is very much an atheist. Seriously, like mm-hmm. he, he put it quite bluntly to me that he was, and you know. 
we were actually, I actually, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, I can understand not being a huge fan of conservatism, which was more what his problem was. But there was also some personal loss that happened that he was angry about, and he's not the first atheist friend who I've known as a gamer who's had that kind of motivation for not really having much faith in God. And I, I talked to him about it, but the way I found it is, it's a lot like, say, um, it's like if anyone doesn't like anything, because there's also a girl I recently have been talking to, and I'm joining her role-playing group, and she does not like Star Wars one bit, <gasps> really. She, she, she like, she Blast watched them. She, she says that you can, she said she can watch them every now and then, but they just don't do it for her all that you much. You should stay away from her. She's no good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if she likes Doc- Doctor uh, Who's one thing, but Star Wars... Yeah, Doctor <laughs> Who is one thing. Don't settle, man. <laughs> on friendships friendships that's what I'm talking about but the thing is I approached on talking about her more from the context of a more broad spectrum and that worked to some extent you have to get specific with certain things like when he got to the resume eventually you know I hit down on the point of you know about suffering in the world and all that but the second I started to see that he was getting quiet that he was closing up a bit more I just kind of was pulling off it's like I'm not trying to push anything I'm just trying to explain myself and he was like okay fair enough fair enough and so it's it's like pretty much doing anything with when you're trying to talk to someone about something that they normally want to, don't want to talk about. You need to try to engage it in a way that they want to talk about it, and you need to try to find a way to get just enough progress forward, but not enough, uh, so much that they just can't stand it. Because the other friend I said who was an atheist, yeah, mm-hmm. after I, 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 we're having a very serious conversation, and after the conversation, she actually she did convert to at least being an agnostic, but um. She, we got fairly far in it, and by the end of it, she was starting to get like, I'm shaking because I'm starting to freak out from this because the argument I was giving was making sense. But that was – she and I had been talking pretty much constantly for months, so we were well-established as friends, and she was actually willing to listen to me. And even then, I still just – I couldn't actually get her to, you know, be, to actually be open to the idea of Christianity, but she was at least open to the idea of religion. She was like, okay. I can see where you're coming from here. I understand that. And I didn't want to push to the point that was freaking her out because she's my friend. I don't want to be freaking anybody out with this. But really, it's a very delicate balance. It's like any other kind of social human interaction when you're really trying to convey something. You can't just do it all in one. It's it's kind of why, you know, like, there was one that I actually got approached by, um, I I think it might have been... Latter-day Saint or uh, mm. Jehovah's Witness, I'm not sure which, in a mall. And the thing is, she automatically assumed that I wasn't saved. You want to know why? Because that I was reading a science fiction book. And basically <laughs> just tried to ambush me about, do you do devotionals every day? Do you do this? Do you do that? And just kind of be like, lady, yes, I am saved. Please, back off. You're freaking me out. What the <laughs> hell? And I, I just, you know, you know I... I what God's- the hell? Here's a cigarette. Jesus loves you. <laughs> right? Well, that's what we do at Game Church. We go to the conventions and we hand people a cigarette and a Bible. Say, here, Jesus loves a you. Cigarette and a Bible. Usually it's a beer, though. Dude, do you know how many people smoke at these conventions? It's crazy. No, I'm just kidding. We don't really. Uh, no, we don't. We don't really. Cigar hand out and a Bible. False information is is being dispersed. Cigar and a Bible, right? I could get behind a cigar and a Bible. Cigar and a Bible. Cigar and a Bible. I have been known to enjoy uh, this the, is the, the Bible. The Conversion system. <laughs> Back to the question. 
Well, okay. So let me let me ask you this. So I mean, I mean, one ministry that I'm involved with that I think everyone knows is is Game Church. And one thing that we do is we go to these conventions. Like I'm going to E3 in a couple months. And one thing that we do is we simply just hand out Bibles, tell Gospel of John, Gospel according to John, and we tell them, hey, you know, Jesus loves you. Have some free stuff, and that's it. You know, we don't. If someone comes up and says, "What do you think of homosexuality?" and we we say, uh, "We don't." Jesus loves you, <laughs> <laughs> which is the best answer, I think. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I mean, because here's what you're going to do, and this happens with both Christians. Because I've only done I've only done one convention with them at Dragon Con last year in Atlanta, and during that during the four days we were there, I had atheists, I had homosexuals, and I had Christians come up and give us hate. From all across the way. Everyone you hates have, you. Everybody hates Jonathan. We had, and, and I've written this in Shattered Magazine and a couple other different places, but the, but the main thing is is we had Charisma. these two guys. Charisma. No, I, uh, no. We had, we had two guys across the way from us uh, named Mike and John who, um, who, who were gay. And at the end of the first day, after us standing there handing out Bibles and not being screaming judgmental fire and brimstone and everything, like it was the second great awakening all over again, they came over and said, you know, we were impressed and we're glad that you're here. Because they kind of gave us weird stares at the beginning because, you know, here they are. These guys, their booth was they were selling leather corsets and leather male undergarments, banana bags, if you will. How many did you buy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, none, but there was a pink dress with tons of buckles that I had my eye on. I thought it. I thought it. <laughs> it very much is like your Kingdom Hearts fandom, right? Yes, exactly. there we go. Oh, dude, good, yes. good Zach. In so many ways. If you in play so it ways. while play, if you wear it while playing Kingdom Hearts, mm-hmm. that would be the best. I'll take yes, a picture. That, of that is YouTube worthy. And it's totally YouTube worthy. Zippers, lots of zippers. So anyway, the, the the point the point of the story was is these guys were true to their word because the next day we had someone. Uh, a rather discourteous individual come and throw one of our, our gamer Bibles on the ground. And, and John, the more flamboyant of the two, chased this dude down, dragged him back to our booth, made him pick up the Bible, and apologized to us. And to me, that spoke volumes because, I mean, A, we could, we could do one of two things. We can stand there and look at them and be like, these guys are living in sin. They're, they are, they're practicing something that's very clearly denied in scripture, blah, 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 blah. We could go the whole fundamentalist route. It doesn't matter. We could do that. Or what these guys have heard, I'm sure these guys have heard that all their lives. I'm sure they're, they're very familiar with the, with the message of hate on that. And instead, while fully acknowledging that what they're doing is a sin, that's not what we're there for. We're there to show them, hey, you know what? Jesus loves you. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of who you are and what you're doing, does that mean he wants you to continue to live in sin so that grace may be abound? To, to quote Paul, no, by no means. But at the same time, they're not believers yet. They don't know the love of God. They're not following him. So to me, it was more important to show that love and that grace than anything else. And I think a lot of times, sometimes, and even me, and I'm extremely guilty of this, people who are new to the faith or asking questions of the faith, they'll ask a question. And then the next thing you know, you'll have five different people from five different denominational backgrounds, Catholic, Methodist, Pentecostal, uh, conservative, Christian church, non-dom, just asking, throwing out all these different philosophies. And these poor guys are confused. They're, they're, hi, person. That was my mom just dropping off food. Continue. 
She had a letter from Hogwarts. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. No Hedwig, but there's definitely Hogwarts (laughs) acceptance letter there. I think that That was was a magic piece of watermelon for an incantation. (laughs) Say hi to Dumbledore for me. cheese sandwiches. Nice grilled cheese. But But to just quickly sum that up, I just mean is that I think as theologians theologians as as people who are more mature in the faith i think we have a tendency to want to spout our own christianese and i think i think sometimes it's hard to keep that in check yeah i try to avoid christianese at all costs i think that's been my primary goal in theology gaming because i did start out that way Mm -hmm. but i feel like that's a barrier to communication i think c.s lewis once said uh, arguments about different disputes within christendom is best had within christendom and not in the public square. Yeah, I don't want I'm to discuss it greatly, but you know, yeah. it's like I don't want to discuss the Trinity with most people. It's just I think I'm going to use an illustration that Zachary will appreciate because I'm going to use cards, and he loves that Hearthstone game. Yeah, but in <laughs> when you're playing that game, I assume there are some cards that have more power or more value over other cards. Is that correct? Indeed, there are. Okay, so in my mind relationship is sort of like that trump card the card that seems to overpower every objection every bit of anger or hate or whatever might be there relationship when it's firmly in place it can overcome so many things and in the words of the pastor of my church david chadwick he was talking about parenting when he said this but he said uh, r plus r Minus R equals R. And what that... That just made my brain explode right there. Yeah. Rules Arr. and regulations minus relationship equals rebellion. Ooh, Ooh cool. I like rebellion. Say that one more time. <laughs> say, say that one more so, time. I, I didn't quite... As a parent, and maybe, you know, this can refer to some way in relating to people, but uh, rules and regulations minus relationship equals rebellion yes huh. and oh, that makes wait. brian happy that makes sense hell yeah no it doesn't but relationship <laughs> is just a real critical thing i think that just overcomes a lot of a lot of stuff so if you have somebody that's struggling with something or thinks that you're doing something wrong or they might be doing something wrong yeah, like magic if, like or magic they could be doing it. magic yeah, well, I've, I've been thinking about my wife, too, when she uh, recently reached out to uh, a young lady that she's known for years. And this young lady's going through a hard time. and She did something stupid and, and got arrested for something, and her parents are extremely upset and worried about her. But my wife just contacted her and said, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. Let's just get something to eat. And so they went out and had dinner together. Her, mm-hmm. her, the young lady just immediately knew that my wife would listen to her. And would give good advice, but not be judgmental. So that relationship just sort of trumped over everything that uh, seemed negative in, in her life. And it opened up some doors, hopefully, for some you know, positive change. Yeah. I think it's also worth noting there is no perfect way to evangelize. There's no perfect way to witness. There is no – I mean even Paul, when you look at the way he, he ministered and spread the gospel to both the Hebrews, the Jews, and the Gentiles, they were completely different ways. He, he approached them. You're wagging your head, Brian. You're wagging your head. Wagging, wagging? <laughs> he's, he's eating he's imaginary cheese sandwiches. That's so good. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Jonathan. Okay. All Don't right. watch me. Okay. I won't watch you. I'll stare at something else then. No, because, I mean, Paul would minister to different people in different ways. That's not saying you shouldn't be disingenuous or you should be false. But each person is different. Each person 
is going to require a different way. The Holy Spirit works in different ways. And we're not going to be able to minister to everybody. We're not going to be able to convert everyone, or we're not going to be able to make them realize they're part of the elect, depending on what your theological background is. Some of us are, some of us aren't. Exactly. Exactly. And the the key word is is that the Holy Spirit is the one that's doing the work, too. I mean, we're just just along for the ride. We're, We're taking part of what God's doing. And it's nice to be able to relax sometimes and know that he's working. And we just want to see where he's working and mm-hmm. take part in it. Exactly. So there you go. Yeah, I think that that just about sums it up. That was a slam dunk. Boom! <laughs> that was, a, no, that was sort of a NCAA March Madness you know, reference. <laughs> I'm trying to be relevant. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say that that's something we totally try to do on Theology Gaming University is try not to crush different opinions or whatnot. It's just a talk. I mean, I disagree with some of the games Zachary plays, and yet uh, it's just something I deal with. But then there's been other games that I've talked with Zach, and I guess we've known each other now for a few years, and it's just I, I couldn't touch those games originally, and now I can because I can see them differently. Um, Zach's pointed out Japanese worldview is completely different than ours. Oh, and completely their, and utterly. Their use of religious imagery, words, all of that, it doesn't have the same weight or bearing that it does no. in our society. And so just through my relationship with Zach, I've grown uh, just to be able to play different games. And it's not that I've somehow watered down my values or you know something like that. It's just it's been through relationship built mm-hmm. on grace and love and you know a, a common relationship in Christ. Uh, you know We've been able to do that. And that's really, that's ultimately our goal uh, with the site. So it's good. Yeah. To learn so come things. on in if you're ling- lingering around the edge of the pool. Jump on in to that the Theology pool. Gaming University. University. Yeah, let's promote stuff. Shameless self-promotion time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can find Ted at wildmanted.com in on Twitter. Follow him and talk That's about That's right, chilies. I tweet regularly. <laughs> about oh, I just chilies. love your tweets, Ted. They're the best. You know what? Thanks. I had those enchiladas this past Sunday. Mm, they looked just like the picture. They did look just they like the picture? just like the picture. Wait, did they look just like my picture that no, I posted? your picture was awful. Mine was great. It looked like the menu. <laughs> it looked just like the menu. It I am so glad delicious. that my tweeting has made a difference in the world and has affected Chili's <laughs> across the country. Yeah, I went to hey, New hey Ted, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, is, uh, um, <laughs> is it Ted Loring, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Google Ted Loring. Okay, you know I do. I do tweet a lot though, just because I don't know what my actual identity is. All the time. Well, if you do Google Ted Loring, I believe that you are the first search result. Yes. So there you go. If you Google Wild Man Ted, I think I'm one of the first two, because there's you know that whole Ted Nugent thing. People think he's Wild Man Ted. Ted Nugent. (laughs) Ted Nugent and I have a very complex history. Oh really? I, I may have told this story to a few other people, but my first night, one of my first jobs was I, I used to work in radio. So I used to do Q106 Classic Rock for the Quad Cities. And one of, I grew up in a, in a very conservative Republican Christian household. And one of the things that my parents would never let me listen to is classic rock. So Rolling Stones, Beatles, none of that stuff worked. So my first night there, I'm working the overnight, the midnight till 6 before the morning guys come in. And I see that there's this guy coming up doing uh, a song, and I have no clue who this guy is. It, it, so I say, coming up next at 2 o'clock is Ted Nugent. <laughs> oh, my god! Ted Nugent. <laughs> I think every bar in the Quad Cities called the station and just 
railed on me for like a half hour. It was painful. Uh, now you know when you play Ted Nugget. Yeah. Alright, I'm done. I'm done. All you right. guys Elijah, continue to promote yourself. Elijah, you're the Unabridged Gamer on YouTube, as previously yes. discussed. Yes, I'm also at Gameskinny as Elijah Beam, and you can find me on Twitter at, at ParadigmFallen. I will respond to your tweets, and um, I know this is an odd thing to say, but if you are a mobile developer, please don't tweet to me. I don't really cover mobile games. I'm sorry. Oh. I can try to refer to you to someone else, but I don't. That doesn't build a relationship. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, I'm not trying to be closed-minded, but it's, it's like, it just keeps happening. It's a weird thing. And uh, uh, Brian Hall, you are here, and you have Johnny B. Gamer. I am at johnnybgamer.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at johnnybgamer as well. Um, I'm there. Come and visit. It's awesome. Yeah, and he's also the community manager of the Theology Gaming University Facebook group, which you should join. And it is totally awesome. There are free cookies. (laughs) Sometimes. There are. And who's left? Yes, Uh, you just don't get me. Uh, me, because I have to say, uh, go on iTunes kind of and subscribe to this podcast. Hey, you didn't, you didn't plug me yet, you buddy. You've been hey. plugged enough. You've been plugged enough, You better enough, give him Jonathan. a cookie now. <sighs> I am Jonathan Kloss, and you can find me on Twitter at Alpha Bovine, and I write for a couple mm-hmm. of different mags. Uh, the main one that I write for is called Inquisitor. Uh, you can just – and I post all my articles there on Twitter. Yeah, so yeah. if you fo- follow me on Twitter, you can get all my stuff. And I also do – I also do community management for Game Church on the Game Church City. I write a couple of news articles for them every week, and ah, that's basically what I do. Yeah, and click wait, on everything. Wait, so is the, is the Inquisitor like the Quibbler from Harry Potter? No, uh, well, uh, long story. Like the Inquisition in Dragon Age. Inquisition. No, it's spelled weird. Okay, long story boring. <laughs> long story very short. The Inquisitor used to be a tech blog site. Uh, but tech blog sites, when they started failing around the same time uh, Tech TV failed, Inquisitor was put up for sale, and it was bought by some uh, private owners in Israel who turned it into a digital lifestyle celebrity site. So now, for example, we have one girl whose job is to only, only write about Justin Bieber. So it has nothing to do with magic at all. Right. So I, I'm one of a couple of staff writers. Or owls that write- and allergies. Other than the magic of his performances. Yeah, jeez. I'm one of a few different staff writers that write exclusively for video games, so I do about 10 articles a week for them. Um, Nice. Wow. I click them. Please do, because that gives me a couple of cents for which to pay my mortgage and feed my kid a junior diet cheeseburger. I feel concerned. Enough times, you can actually increase the weight. At least that's what I remember you and Brian discussing at one point. (laughs) And, And Jonathan, why haven't you been on the Xbox One? Why would I be on my Xbox One? Why haven't well, okay. you been? I've been wanting to play Sniper Elite 3 with you. Okay, you were about, the, about that the other time. You said you were going to play with him. You know what happened the night after I said that? What? You died. Um, my wife, whom I love dearly, mm-hmm. uh, is a huge Plants vs. Zombies fan. And oh, she, and, uh, and she took the Xbox One and took it downstairs and is now playing Plants vs. Zombies and holding the Xbox One hostage in the bedroom. That's okay. It's a crappy console, anyways. It is. It really, really is. <laughs> really? Tall. Join, join the master race. That's all I'm saying. I thought it was pretty nice. <sighs> it's, a fun, it's a fun game, but you know what? I can't, my wife. I'm and then she uses it to. The console. I tried Concentrate Forza on it at Target. I'm not saying that when we play Plants vs. Zombies. Certainly not Garden Warfare. Yeah. 
and then and then finally, last but not least, she watched. She's using it for Amazon Prime because she's watching. Th- she just discovered the joys that is Stargate SG One, and so she's okay. watching through the whole series. Okay. But I watched one of your clips. You'd made an awesome player versus player sniper shot. Man, you got this one guy or gal. <laughs> Good shot, dude. It is a fun game. It really, really. I play the no cross mode on there a lot. It's literally just sniping. There is nothing else to it. It's just sniping. We've so. already regaled the world with uh, Ted Loring's love for all things sniper elite. Sorry, <laughs> I want to buy it. That's said, Jonathan. That's it. Uh, I've been stalking you and I can't find you. If you can get Ted to actually try a competitive multiplayer and not freak out about it, uh, I don't know what. I will do something in reward we'll have a for that. Him. If you can actually pull that off, I will be Good impressed. Shit. All right, Ted, tell you what. I'll make you a deal. I will I will take the Xbox One tomorrow night, and I will play Sniper Elite tomorrow night. And anyone else who wants to join me, Alpha Bovine on Xbox One, you are more than welcome to join us. Very good. I, I will be on tomorrow night. Excellent, excellent. Okay. Excellent. All right. Promise? Done. Promise? Promise. Promise. All right. All right, last thing, go to iTunes, subscribe to our stuff. If you like the podcast, give us a five-star rating. If you have some constructive criticism to give us, go to the TGU group and uh, type it in there. And uh, I think that's about it. And tell Elijah what game he should be playing next. Yep, which is uh, Star Wars. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Indeed. All right, well, I got to go start raiding, so I got to end this podcast like now. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Oh, Are you going to be using magic? Hi, this is Zach calling from 2004. I need this to raid. I'm raiding again. Uh, see you guys later. Oh, my God. Bye. Good right. night. Have a good Goodbye. night.